you know what Chantal Hébert said? She talked to some former um, PCs of Moroni who were defeated in 93. And uh, basically, I'm paraphrasing here. They said, at least we got crushed in the election, but at least I didn't have to stand behind Moroni on an announcement that she's canceling the GST because it's not popular. <laughs> like, ooh. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> you might have had a job afterwards. But... <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Numbers. I'm Eric Grenier, and I'm joined by Philippe J. Fournier, as always. Uh, Philippe, how are you doing? I'm doing better than the CAQ, my friend. Oh, how about for that for transition, huh? <laughs> Yeah, we're it's actually going to get to that it's later. A bit yeah. too, it's a bit too early. We'll get to that. But I'm doing very well. Uh, very busy times. Um, doing all sorts of media, analyzing all sorts of polls. And I was looking forward to this one so I could discuss uh, the, the latest numbers because there are, there are some really good ones, Eric, this week. I, it has it, it surprisingly been busy despite the fact that there's no election around the corner. We don't even have one that's on the calendar for another year. Yeah. Uh, but it does seem like people are getting kind of into politics again. And, and uh, I mean, that's good. Good for us. And, it's good for uh, us. you know, we're doing it, too. Uh, we're going to start with a different kind of numbers. We usually talk about polls, but instead we're going to talk about the fundraising numbers mm-hmm. uh, that came out this week. Uh, so the big picture numbers, the conservatives were able to wa- raise seven million dollars between uh, July and September, the third quarter. Uh, the Liberals raised $3 million, the NDP $1.5, and the other parties a bit less than that. Uh, conservatives continue to raise a huge amount of money, over $23 million so far this year. Uh, the Liberals, you know, they've raised just under $10 million. It's not a bad fundraising year for them, but it's, yeah. compared to the Conservatives, so bad. The New Democrats are doing not too bad. They got four point two. That's not too bad for them. Uh, did you have any thoughts about these fundraising numbers? Here's the thing, Eric. The thing is, I think we've been used... Uh, for many years now that the conservatives always you know outraise the liberals but this is this is a bit much though <laughs> i mean this is a big gap this is more than two to one uh, and i know it, it, it may not mean a lot uh, it, you know i know in quebec the parti québécois always says we outraise our yeah you you, you outraise opponents in 2018 you got crushed you outraise opponents in 2022 you got crushed so it may not mean that much it means that they have a very uh motivated supporters with sometimes with deep pockets even though it's not the big amount that they can give uh but uh but this is this is a big lead for the conservatives and i think it explains partly the constant campaign they're on they have money to burn they have money to 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 use and they want to show those uh, those people they take the money from that they're using the money so what did you think Mm -hmm. of it yeah, well, we talked last week about, uh, you had asked on on last week's episode, which was for patrons only. So uh, <laughs> if you missed out, then, you know, become a patron. But oh, and it was dis- so good. It was such a good episode. It was the best too. episode, yeah. It you was have, you have to get yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, you're wondering why the liberals aren't mounting the same kind of campaign that the conservatives are. And these kind of numbers really do explain it. You know, when you look at the fact yeah. that the liberals have raised nearly $10 million, a lot of people would say, $10 million is a lot of money. You can spend it on some ads. All of these parties have operating expenses that are pretty big. The Conservatives and the Liberals, have, I can't remember the exact number from last year, but when you look at their annual filings, you know, they're running their office is like six, $7 million operation with all their salaries and their research yeah. and all this kinds of stuff. So you have to be raising a lot of money to have extra money. 
to spend on things. Uh, you know, for the New Democrats, that's especially a problem for them because their operating expenses relative to their size to the other two parties is still really big. So if they're only raising six, seven, eight million dollars in a given year, a lot of that is just going to keep the lights on, right? So the Conservatives have so much extra money. And when you have this extra money, you can't just spend it all during an election campaign because they're spending limits. So you have yeah. to use it. Otherwise, it's going to do nothing. So I, I think that's where this this kind of stuff really matters. Because as you said, conservatives, I, I think I counted since we first started reporting uh, fundraising figures like this in 2005, I think there's been 75 quarters and the conservatives have outraised the liberals in 69 of them. Wow. They just know how wow. to raise a lot of money, but wow. they've lost elections over that time. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. it's the relative kind of gap between the two and also just what that means you can do with the money. And right now the conservatives have lots of ads because they got lots of money. And it's just as simple as that. You prefer to have money, lots of money than not if you're a party, but it's and not a person. A pre- yeah. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. But it's not a predictive. Uh, it has, doesn't have any predictive value. Like, yeah. oh, it doesn't mean that one party outraised another that they're going to win the next election. or, But they could use that money for many things such as advertising that we see all the time. Uh, I, I mean, I've seen one ad, the liberal ad in the past week that took the... Uh, the, 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 the orchard, the apple orchard from, uh, did you see this one? Basically, yeah. they take the video of, of, um, of Poiliev eating the apple and just asking questions to the, uh, the reporter. And they put videos of Donald Trump saying the exact same thing as Pierre Poiliev. You know, because the reporter was saying, you're taking a page out of uh, Donald Trump. And I was like, okay, th- you know, right, this is a pulse from the liberals. <laughs> because, again, we've been asking, why, don't, why isn't there any pushback? Uh, sorry, I'm just gonna move. The, sorry. Okay, I'm gonna say hi. Okay, and then go. Sorry, that was my cat that was about to step on my keyboard. Uh, so yeah, so a pulse from the liberals, and uh, maybe those fundraising numbers, as you said, explain them. So yeah. Where did you see the ad? Uh, it was on social media. I, I guess it was Twitter. Um, was it paid or was it just an MP putting it out? You know, I can't remember. Yeah. See, that's it, the it, thing. It, yeah, it must have been the the Liberal Party, uh, the Liberal Party. It was on the Liberal Party uh, account that yeah. I guess it was retweeted. So, so I don't think you know. That's the thing. If they have they they have the staff to be able to put these together, but are they putting them anywhere? Right? Yeah. Because yeah. the conservative ads, you know, like most people probably I PBR stuff and and skip through the commercials, but I can still see that that commercial was there. <laughs> <laughs> and they have a lot of them. They're on like sports uh, games. They're on, uh, you know, just sitcoms and stuff like. Yeah. And they've got several different ads. We talked about it last week as well. They just have the money. And you know what? They're leading in the polls by 15 points. So yeah, let's get to, yeah, let's get to that. Yeah, let's get to that. The okay, latest yeah. Leger poll, right? Yeah. So we've been... La- I think I always wait for the Leger polls. They, they've been polling less frequently. Uh, I know during the pandemic, at some point it was every week, then it was every two weeks. Uh, the last Leger poll, I believe, was early September um, or something like that. The end Maybe of I'm September, yeah. The, the end yeah. of September. So, okay, so it's been like five weeks. Uh, and I think Leger also was the one of the later ones of the polling firms in Canada to have a big conservative lead. I remember early in the summer, around June, they still had the, both parties ties, uh, both parties tied, whereas like Ipsos and others had like a five-point lead for the, for the conservatives. Now, 40% for the conservatives, according to Leger, 
26% for the Liberals, which is like Stéphane Zion numbers, right? Uh, 17% for the NDP. Uh, and in Quebec, we have the Bloc and the Liberals just very close, 30% for the Bloc, 27% for the Liberals, that's pretty bad. And the Conservatives are 22%, which is good for them. In Ontario, 18-point lead for the Conservatives. Yeah. Right there, that's your huge majority. That's the ball right? game. It's uh, so I don't know. I in the Atlantic Canada also. It's a small sample, but it's always small samples. It repeated small samples at some point tell you something. I see fourteen point lead for the for the Conservatives. So the Atlantic is, numbers. You're, you're right. They're small samples, so you know it, it, that's an important factor. But this poll was conducted on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And if I'm not mistaken, the carbon tax carve-out for home heating oil that the Liberals announced was on Friday. Right. It was either on Thursday or Friday. So this poll was done after that. And if anything, this is some of the some of the better numbers I've seen for the Conservatives in Atlantic Canada. <laughs> I'm not sure if I've seen them up by 14 points. So if there was a immediate reaction, positive or otherwise, to uh, the Liberals' announcement, it did not seem to help in Atlantic Canada. It's possible we'll see that this is just small samples because we have sometimes seen some polls jump around in Atlantic Canada. But the first set of numbers from the region does yeah. not suggest that this worked. So, you know, that's that's a problem for the Liberals. I, he I heard the Chantal Hébert uh, earlier this week uh, mention that there were some Liberal MPs in Atlantic provinces that were ready to just step down. That were mm -hmm. ready to go, basically, if that didn't happen and uh, I, I think there was like almost a I didn't see many people many smart people defend uh, Justin Trudeau's move to carve out the carbon tax for uh, for uh, I think it was heating oil was it yeah home heating, heating oil yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't see a lot of people defend it and I remember I, I wonder if this is just trying to appease your caucus but getting deeper and deeper and deeper into you know just a, a, a string of bad decisions for the government um i mean you don't want to lose your you know members of your caucus over threats like this but appeasing them by this way could be even worse <laughs> so uh yeah it's one of the problems i think for the liberals too is that the kind of narrative has set in that they're in a lot of trouble which they are and yeah. so anything they do whether it was because they're in desperate straits or not, is being cast in the light of this is a desperate you know, ploy to try to save their fortune. So even if they came up with a very sensible, uh, good idea that was not about an election, it would almost certainly still be cast in that light. So it's almost like they, they won't be given the benefit of the doubt anymore by uh, the media, uh, by a lot of voters that... Even if, you know, I heard Justin Trudeau defending this, saying that heating oil was more expensive in Atlantic Canada than it is to heat your home in Saskatchewan where it's natural gas or whatever, in Quebec with, uh, with electricity. And the price of heating oil has increased. And so, you know, they needed to do something because it wasn't fair. But it, it people aren't listening, I don't think, anymore. It's just more or less seeing that this is a way to try to save seats in Atlantic Canada at the expense of areas where they don't have seats. And while that is just how politics has always worked and always will, people didn't like to see that. There was Goody Hutchings, the um, oh, God. Yeah. minister from Newfoundland, saying, you know, if the prairies want this thing, they should elect more liberal MPs. And everybody was aghast. 
Because she said the thing out loud you're not supposed to say out loud. Ever. 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 Yes. Are, are you a rookie, ma'am? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I found was funny about it, uh, because we all know that this is how politics works, right? Uh, the UCP government in Alberta doesn't really care what people in Edmonton think. The CAC government in Quebec doesn't really care what people in the West Island think. Oh, no. And the Liberal government in Ottawa doesn't really care what the people in Saskatchewan and Alberta think, where they have two seats. Uh, that's just kind of how it works, but you're not supposed to say that, right? So it's almost like, you know, the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet here. I'm guessing she will not get that many interviews in the future. uh, No. And she's also in a tricky seat, eh? Uh, Where's her seat? It's, I can't remember which one it is exactly, but it's one in the, uh, in the western kind of part of Newfoundland and uh, on the island itself. And those are ones that look like they're going to flip over to the uh, to the conservatives based on the latest polls that we've seen out of Newfoundland and Labrador. So, long range mountains. Yeah, that's, that's the one, it. and that's yeah. that's like probably number one or two on the list in Atlantic Canada right now uh, for the conservatives. So, yeah, she won by four points, and uh, my projection has that going to the conservatives. So, okay, oh well, yeah. It, it, well, it's, it won't it's, be it's a problem for the liberals anymore for much longer, I guess. <laughs> It's it's kind of amazing, Eric, that there could be like twenty three months left of this government in this in this one, in this fashion, in this in this setting. It, it seems like such a long time because I, I can the liberals turn it around? Can they change something? Can they change? I mean, they already did the cabinet shuffle, so that's gone. But is it possible that they turn it around? The answer, of course, is yes. But the thing is, as days and weeks pass, it looks less and less likely. And yet there's still two years left to this government. I, you, I tried to find it, a precedent. and I Can can't. it last two years? I don't like, can this go on for two years? Uh, well, the, the, the NDP the, has to grow a spine and I, I don't think they can. So, and eventually, if the liberals continue to kind of have these... Uh, Unexpected flailings to try to save things. At, at some point, they're going to do something that inadvertently smacks the NDP, right? So, uh, but yeah, I, it's hard to imagine that that this could continue in this way for the next twenty three months. Uh, they, there needs to be something big, right? Some sort of yeah. huge policy change or new policy uh, has to be a leadership change. Or there has to be something. I don't know if they can just continue like this, just kind of white-knuckling it for another 23 months. But I guess other governments have done it before. Those governments like Mulroney in 93 and the first uh, Trudeau in 79, stretching it out for as long as possible. And and then eventually the government's kind of put out of their misery. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It it just does not seem like... uh, It's just hard to predict how the next two years could possibly unfold the last four months have just yeah. been kind of wild yeah like how like everybody's going to be exhausted at the end of two years i just wrote down unexpected flailings because that's a really good and it's it's a really kind of way to put it so yeah. good on hey, you while I, we're, I think we have a title that's yeah. the title yeah unexpected so. yeah that's good i'll do that that's, that's <laughs> one less thing i have to do after this uh, while we're talking about uh, Leger numbers, so yep. in the Quebec poll, which we'll talk about after, they did have a deeper dive into Quebec, uh, yep. which we don't often get. So I think we should spend a little time on that. I'm not really sure how they did this. If these were two separate polls or 
they like because the numbers are the same across the the province but uh in this poll it's a thousand people in quebec and in the federal poll it's only 300 so i'm not sure how they what they did there i don't know if it was a carve out from the bigger sample anyway as you you mentioned the numbers 30 block 27 liberal 22 conservative 13 ndp uh was there anything in the regional numbers that you thought were pretty interesting because we were discussing the possibility that maybe the conservatives are breaking through in in the regions um I mean, they're doing better in the regions, but, you know, it's still, the Liberals are still pretty competitive there, too. The thing is, if you look at that francophone number, 37 bloc, 23 liberal. I mean, you expect the, Quebec, the bloc Québécois to be leading among francophones. This is not a surprise. In the past elections, I believe, the past two elections, liberals have won the vote in Quebec, but it was by two or three points each time. So that means that the Bloc Québécois did win the francophone vote. But 14 points is is kind of a big gap here. And again, this, this was a big Quebec sample, 1,039, um, it says on this, on, on this poll. I, I, think, I think they expanded the, 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 their Quebec sample to do a Quebec only. Um, mm. So, I mean, in Montreal, we have to remember, Montreal and their suburbs really vote differently. So they, yeah. they sometimes on big samples, Leger will do, okay, this is the 514, the Montreal, and then, then the 450, the equivalent of the 905, but in Montreal. So this is a tie between the Liberals and the Black Québécois. This is pretty good for the Liberals. It's when you go outside of that. Look at the Quebec City region. 36% mm-hmm. for the Conservatives, 31% for the Black Québécois, and only 17 for the Liberals. And yet the Liberals have two important seats in Quebec City. They have uh, Monsieur Duclos, of course, in Quebec uh, Centre, or whatever, like Quebec. I think it will be Quebec have... Centre, though. It will be Quebec the, Centre, yeah. yeah. And uh, Joël Lightbound in uh, Louis Hébert, uh, who uh, you know, won handily in his past elections because he's, he's, he himself is very popular in Quebec City. But you're trailing the Conservatives by almost 20 points in Quebec City. This is, this is a bad score. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I think those seats could be in danger. And in the rest of Quebec, you're trailing the Bloc Québécois by five points. It's kind of lukewarm. It's it's not that bad for the Liberals in Quebec. I mean, I think it's the the last anchor left. Quebec is for the Liberals, right? Uh, but the Bloc Québécois is holding strong. Yeah, and you'd look at the kind of numbers, especially like in the Montreal area, where it's thirty Liberal, twenty nine Bloc. Almost certainly, that is a, a lot on the island of Montreal and Laval. Yep. And maybe, you know, Longueuil, where they have some seats as well. And the block is doing quite well uh, in the Laurentians, where they more or less swept. Um, but, yeah, it, it's interesting to see those those rest of Quebec numbers, where it's 31 block, 26 liberal, 22 conservative. Uh, it all depends where those numbers are, right? If the liberal numbers are all in the eastern townships and the Udaway, uh, then, you know, they get to hold their seats. If it's If it's too uniform, then that could be problematic, but... I think the most interesting part of that poll, Eric, look at that block number by age. Because we've seen this before, but this mm-hmm. is a big sample. So the Bloc Québécois, 18 to 34, 17%. You go to 35 and 54, 23%. And then 55 and over, 40%. So the Bloc Québécois is winning older voters. And we, we've known this from past elections and past polls. But this is a very, very stark divide. Uh, and the Bloc Québécois 
will be in trouble in a few years <laughs> because they don't appeal much to young people. And that was not the case. It's, it's not a, a perennial thing when we say, I remember uh, I, the first time I looked at polls, I was in my early 20s. I said, oh, the NDP is doing very well among uh, young voters. So they're going to crush in 20 years because those <laughs> young voters will grow up and vote NDP. And no, they don't, of course. But this is not, uh, this is not something that has changed. Bloc Québécois used to do well with young people and they don't anymore. So Yves-François Blanchet and, and the, his team, they have to look at this and say, hmm, 10, 12 years down the line, we're going to be hurting. Yeah, that's a big gap. Uh, 17 uh, among the young, 40 among the old. Uh, they're in fourth place among young voters, and they're in first among uh, in older voters. The NDP leading among younger voters. Uh, yeah, amazingly, huh? Yeah. <laughs> 28%. But, yeah. you know, that just that's a lot of those people won't come out to vote, right? So it's a bit of a problem. What do you think, uh, Quebec? There was a big oh, poll out. Well, thing is, we're, uh, yeah, let's talk about it. Because it, I think this, this is the biggest poll of the week. Uh, I don't think we've seen other provincial polls. Don't stuck me if I'm wrong, but no. I, I scanned the whole, you know, the whole country and I looked for it and I didn't see anything. So, so for those who haven't heard, Leger released a provincial poll uh, yesterday, or well, on Wednesday, and uh, we kind of expected the numbers, but still, when you see them, the numbers were quite uh, dramatic. It's the worst poll for the CAQ, François Legault, uh, since they took power in 2018. So it's been, what, five years and some? Um, 30% for the CAQ province-wide, a drop of 11 points since the election last year, last October. Uh, 26% for the Parti Québécois, coincidentally, a, a hike of 11 points. Uh, Quebec Solidaire 15, Liberal 15, uh, Conservatives 12. So basically, three opposition parties are exactly where they were last year. And the PQ has taken 11 points from the, the CAQ. And the, go the government satisfaction is way down, down to 40%. We've been used to... Above 60 was regular in the first term, above 70 in some polls. If it's been like around 50 to 55 in recent months, it has plummeted to 40%. Um, your first impressions on those numbers, Eric, what does that say about the Parti Québécois? What does that say about the CAQ? Well, I mean, it, it is remarkable to see this drop for the CAQ because they... How long ago was it? I think uh, we probably did a podcast a few months ago, the two of us on my, on my other podcast... And I think one of the questions was, how could the CAC, uh, the CAQ be defeated? Yep. And we both more or less said, like, they seem kind of invulnerable and they'll never lose again for the rest of our lives. We didn't say that exactly. But uh, <laughs> to see that they have dropped so quick and for all of it to have gone to the PQ, it's kind of the worst kind of thing that could have happened to them. Yeah. Uh, because if they lost a little bit to Quebec Solidaire, a little bit to the Liberals, a little bit to the PQ, they could survive that. But it's all going to the PQ. And... It is just a huge kind of shift that is uh, really, you know, I was talking about the, the, the flailing that we're seeing from the Liberal government in Ottawa. The Legault government is panicking a little bit. They it do really seem is. to be really destabilized by these numbers. They don't really seem like they don't need to be the next elections in three years, uh, but they do seem to be panicking a little and. And it's almost like uh, being in quicksand and, and you're kicking and you're, you're just getting deeper into it rather than calming down. So you can pull yourself out. And I, I just find that interesting how much of an impact it seems to be having on the actual politics in the province right now. 
I remember in a in a podcast that we did together, you stressed to your English Canada listeners that the Quebec uh, National Assembly is in politics the A team in Quebec, right? Mm -hmm. The federal government. When I write a federal piece, it's it's always except during a campaign, of course, but it's it doesn't get as much attention. The, 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 the les Québécois, their first government is the provincial government. I think unlike many provinces. And uh, something that came up is that, yeah, the cost of living, the, the grocery prices, all these things that I think most of the country blame on Justin Trudeau and the liberals. I know Paul Poilievre does it every day. In Quebec, they're blaming <laughs> François Legault a lot, right? And I think it's catching up to him. This, this, it's, uh, yeah, the erosion of the time of pa in power is one thing. But also the cost of living that's getting really hard, the housing crisis in Quebec. I mean, housing is not as expensive in Quebec as in many Canadian provinces, but it's still much higher than it used to be. Um, and not just in Montreal in the urban centers. We've seen problems in Rimouski and in Jean-Pierre and like where the, the, the housing is just skyrocketing. And at some point, voters turn to their government and say, what the hell are you doing? This, 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 is, not, this is not being managed well, even if it's unfair that it's blame on, on one place. And I think one of the things that really is crushing the Lego government right now is that a lot of people are angry with their politicians and they're in power. Like you have to, you have to 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 wear it when you're when you're in power. Uh, and last year they they promised checks, right? I remember that that was it was such a, a strange policy that during an inflation crisis you would just inject liquidity in the province, and it was not a small amount. It was like seven billion people. They 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 just sent a check of five hundred dollars to everyone earning uh, less than a hundred thousand. That's a lot of people, and it was seven billion people that they injected. And then there was one right after the election, like, a, I think, a thank you note, those CAQ dollars. Uh, and then they just said, well, we're done with it. There won't be any more checks. Um, so, on appelle ça électoraliste, being very electorally driven. Uh, the CAQ, I think, is reaping some of its what, what it sowed for, for, uh, for, for many months now. We've, we've talked about a couple of times how the PQ... Um, <clears throat> Had their support increase in the Quebec City area where there was the by-election they won in Jean Talon. Yep. And what's interesting in then this poll that their numbers in, in the Quebec City area stayed the same, didn't yep. go higher. Uh, but they have increased their vote primarily in, in like the regions and a little bit in Montreal. But there was talk in the in the reporting that the Journal de Montréal did that this puts the CAQ in a minority position. Yeah. Do you think they do? Yeah. Because... Oh, yeah. You really, because you know the CQ is still leading in all of the in the in in Montreal in the regions in Quebec City. They're only down by a point. I I could still see sixty three, sixty four, sixty five seats out of these numbers. Yeah, but that's a that, I mean that's that's like a razor very yeah. very close. There is razor thin. Uh, listen, I uh, were Thursday. Uh, I will publish uh, an updated Quebec projection. I know. Uh, Uh, it's it's a very uh, expected. Uh, I had I'm not going to say who, but I had PQ MNAs write me in private say. So when is your projection coming out? Huh? Where I can't wait to see it. Uh, 
uh, <laughs> staff like they, they're really eager to see it so of course since uh, you know when you do a projection and there's been a couple of points here and there it's easy to do but when there's like a major movement there and i look at the demographics of course by age and by region like i have to take the time to really like be careful to, with it so it's going to be published in lexville this saturday morning uh but i ran the preliminary numbers preliminary preliminary Okay, the first numbers. Uh, and uh, yeah, I have the uh, Parti Québécois in the high 20s in seats. I mm. have the Liberals in the high 20s in seats because the Liberals stayed uh, stable, but the CEQ has lost 11 points. So guess what? Those close seats in Laval, uh, Vaudreuil, uh, Hull in the Utah way, uh, it, with those numbers, those seats go back to the Liberals. And uh, I think I had the uh, CEQ in the high 50s. So uh, the, that's the, interesting. The, yeah, so. I ran them just through, I think, a swing model, just a simple kind of uniform swing. And, and I, I still had the CQ getting 67. Okay. And PQ only 17. 67. Uh, PQ, thing is, 67 would be in my 95% yeah. bracket. But thing is, let's go back to the regions of Quebec here. I know, again, it's a small sample. Well, it's 250 cases. It's not that small. But the CQ won the regions of Quebec by 31 points mm, last year. Yeah. And now in this poll, they're leading by four. This is a huge, huge swing. And uh, so Abitibi, uh, Jonquière, Côte-Nord, you know, Saguenay, uh, down the St. Lawrence, all these traditionally PQ areas uh, would be prone to, to, to just go back. Because the Parti Québécois has not gained anything in Montreal. I can tell you this. Uh, yeah. they, in, the, in, the, in the suburbs, sure, uh, a little bit. But not that much. I mean, 21% for the Parti Québécois in a greater Montreal region, it's like two points more than what we expected. So the movement has been in the regions, and this could cost many seats to the CQ. So we'll see. I, uh, I, 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 I'm not contradicting you. I just I haven't run the complete numbers yet. But, um, but yeah, the, the, the CQ has been also flailing uh, in the past month. As you said, they lost the Jean Talon by by election a month ago and I, it looks like they just lost their minds over it yeah. <laughs> and yet they lost their minds they have 89 seats they lost uh, to a party that has now four and they're losing their minds over it uh, one it's, it's just one last comment on this i find is that the the way that politics is is discussed in quebec versus the rest of the country is very different because oh this poll was was kind of hyped it comes out. It's huge news. Everybody talks about this poll on every media, uh, you know, platform. Uh, they ask Legault about it, and he actually says stuff about the poll, yeah. about how he's disappointed to have the numbers come up, whatever. There's a by-election. People react to the by-election. They try to make changes. It causes lots of discussion. In the rest of the country, I find uh, federal politics. Uh, no one talks. No one. No politician will even admit that a poll exists. <laughs> Uh, polls came out, yeah, whatever, we, do, we don't care, we, we're not really watching. Uh, a by-election happens, like, ah, yeah, no, everybody says, well, you know, you can't read anything into by-elections, blah, blah, blah. And everybody just kind of pretends that nothing, pretends that no, there's nothing, we don't know what's happening. It's just people are voting in three, two years, and that's when, but in Quebec, it's like, there's a poll out, we're all going to talk about it, yep. and there's a by-election, we're all going to talk about it. And I just find it a very different kind of political climate, uh, which I find uh, interesting. I find I, I at least find it refreshing that politicians actually engage with this stuff 
yeah. in Quebec, whereas federally, uh, for some reason, they think polls are an abstract thing that people just make up. They don't actually exist, and, and they don't actually represent voters. This is my just a pet oh, peeve of mine. People talk just, about polls as if they aren't people. They're public opinion. It's... It's a. It's not a thing. The drives polls. me nuts. Drives me freaking uh, nuts. Yeah, I know. Yes. But you, what you just said, though, like, let me expand on that just a second, if I may. Like you said, elsewhere in the country. The thing is, if the Jean Talon by-election would have, had been a federal by-election, I think most of what you just said would have been true. It's because it's provincial politics. Again, the National Assembly, for those not living in Quebec, the National Assembly is the primary... Uh, parliament of the Quebec nation. We pay far, far more attention to whatever's happening there than uh, the federal level, uh, rightly or wrongly, right? Uh, we pay attention to federal politics when something big happens or during an election. During election, people engage uh, in Quebec with the federal uh, scene. But uh, yeah, uh, it, if something happens in the National Assembly, it's front and center. <laughs> so, uh, one more last thing uh, if I say because it, it did the, the poll, the Léger poll did ask about sovereignty the sovereignty mm-hmm. question and I think we had uh, touched on this when uh, I commissioned that palace data poll uh, the sovereignty numbers have not really moved, 55% against uh, 30, sorry, 54% against 35% for and it's actually, that would be a small small drop within the margin of error it was 37% last month so the Parti Québécois goes up in a poll significantly beyond the margin of error, and yet sovereignty is still at the same, roughly the same level it's been for about 15 years. What do you think of that? I have thoughts, but I wonder what, what you think of that. Uh, I, I think that it is an indication that the PQ is galvanizing sovereignists to care about sovereignty again, uh, that it's reaching out to nationalists who are sovereignists but don't care that much, it's not a priority for them that they're going back to the PQ. Uh, I think that that's what that signifies, that there was always that 35-ish percent of the population that was sovereignist, but you know, at least 20 points of them, at least in the last election, not much of an issue. They'll vote for Quebec Solidaire for other reasons. They'll vote for the, the CEQ for other reasons. Uh, but it feels like the PQ is being successful in galvanizing those people to back the PQ again and to maybe yeah. believe that the PQ can form a government that, that a vote for a sovereignist party isn't kind of a forlorn kind of lost vote. Uh, I think that's what I think that's what this is. That if I bet you if there was a poll talking about the priority of sovereignty, maybe that would have risen up <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but I don't think that the discussion about uh, you know, the first year budget, the fact that the PQ1 yeah. is Jean Talon. I don't think that's converting Federalists to become sovereignists, but it might be making sovereignists feel a little bit more sovereignist than they did before. This is why I like this question so much and why in a Quebec-only poll, the sovereignty question should always be there because it explains so much. Okay, the Parti Québécois is up in the polls, yet sovereignty has not moved. This is just sovereignists from the CEQ that have left and I, I going back to the PQ and maybe a little bit also from Quebec Solidaire. When you break it down by party, a support for sovereignty. So Parti Québécois is 84 and 15 against. There's always this, this 10 to 15 that are against, right? Uh, the CEQ is 54 against, 38 for, so plus 16. This is a little bit, it used to be like, you know, 40, 60, right? Uh, Quebec Solidaire, 
55% against, <laughs> 35% for sovereignty. So this tells me that some like hardcore sovereignists that perhaps were with Quebec Solidaire because they, they like their left of center policies are saying, you know what, Paul Saint-Pierre is talking about, about independence left and right and center. I'm going back there. Same thing for the CQ. This is a transfer of voters, of sovereignist voters from one party to the other, more than, than uh, like a hike in support for sovereignty. Like Paul Saint-Pierre has said, has stated very clearly, if we get elected in 2026, there will be a referendum. He was very adamant about it. So it will be that much harder for him to backtrack on this. Uh, and, uh, we, you know, so for those who thought that sovereignty was dead because the PQ was out in the polls, I see, I've said, I, I read many times in Quebec media, people say the PQ is dead and the independence is dead. It will never die. Just remember this. The PQ was doing badly because it was mismanaged, because it had poor leaders. But this issue is never going away. It's still at 35%. It's pretty good, but it's way, 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 way like where they need it to be, of course. Uh, it's going to make things very interesting. I'm, you know, The 2026 election is going to be a fun one in Quebec. I know it's three years down the line, but this, this is going to be a fun election because we're going to talk about fun issues. Uh, just, and yeah. it'll be competitive, maybe. Should be. Unlike should the last be. couple ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Okay, let's do some uh, questions. And since yes. we were just talking about uh, Quebec, we'll do a Quebec one. We got one from Yared on the Discord. And we say this every week. Uh, if you become a patron, then uh, one of the perks, I guess, is that you can ask us questions on the Patreon on Discord, where you have access to that, and we'll answer them every week. So we got one from Yared. He said the PQ has been rising in the polls provincially in Quebec. Assuming that trend holds, which federal party would be the biggest beneficiary of a PQ surge? <sighs> It's like it's a bit of a double-edged sword, I think. It's always been a double-edged sword. You would think the Bloc Québécois, but the Bloc Québécois has not moved in support since. Well, when if François Blanchet came on, they were in like in the teens, and then they got the thirty percent. But they haven't progressed that much. Uh, I, you know, at this point, I don't know what you think, Eric. It's a good question, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I, I don't think any federal parties set to benefit because they're not going to talk about the same issues. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. What do you think? Well, the block is at 30% in the same poll and the PQ is at 26, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the block is getting a lot of support from, from Kekiists and from Quebec Solidaire. So it's not just yeah. PQ. So, um, you know, it's not like a, it's not just a one-to-one. Like if the PQ goes up, the BQ also goes up um, because there are some other voters in there. Uh, so if the PQ was at 40%, then yes, I think the, the bloc would probably benefit from that. We'd see more support for them. But I do wonder if the transformation of the conversation to sovereignty in Quebec has, um, or at least more of it, has an impact on the federal parties. Uh, because they haven't had to discuss that for a while, right? It's been... Yeah. It's when was the last time this was an issue that was really discussed by a federal party leader? You're probably going back to the nation debate in 2006 and stuff like that, right? So, uh, like I, successfully, I though. I mean, yeah. I remember in 2011 when the NDP went up, they, they, the Bloc Québécois started going crazy and said the NDP is a centralizing yeah. force. But yeah, you have to go back to almost 15 years. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think we heard uh, Pierre Poilievre recently using the same line he's used for other parts of the province, that the reason that, you know, the PQ is coming out with his first year budget is because of the 
you know, the politics of Justin Trudeau, which, you know, <laughs> I'm not really convinced by that, because that, Quebecers don't dislike Justin Trudeau as much that much like yeah. and and they're still holding most of their support uh so i'm wondering how that kind of if if people in the rest of the country start worrying about national unity again maybe they won't but probably won't uh would they trust justin trudeau versus pierre polyev over that i'm not sure i'm not sure about that um i, I really don't think that's it's that much of an issue outside canada outside quebec no, sorry not. um and uh You have to remember, though, that the Bloc Québécois could very well win 40 seats in the next election. And it won't be because of a surge. It will be because the Liberals crashed and burned. Um, so, uh, you know, they could have a big split. So it's kind of a when you look at federal elections since the Bloc was founded, the, the movement was like, oh, the Liberals, then the Bloc Québécois, then the Liberals and the Bloc Québécois. We, and then there was once with Jack Layton, the NDP, uh, I think it's just cyclical in there. So maybe it's a boring answer, but I, I think that's... If we see the block surge, it's because the, the liberals have fallen. Uh, let's do another one that's on the relationship between provincial and federal. So this was from Harry Bellamy from Patreon. He said, do you think that Newfoundland and Labrador and Yukon, where there's also a liberal government, will have a harder time getting reelected in 2025? if the polls continue to be poor for the federal liberals. Mm. And uh, he also asked if, I, if we thought Andrew Fury, who's premier of Newfoundland and Labrador, should call an early election uh, to kind of help him avoid some of these issues. Um, I, I, the Newfoundland and Labrador one, <laughs> Yukon, I mean, that, that one's tough to say, right? Because we don't have any polls from Yukon. Uh, the liberals barely won the last election. Yeah. They tied the Yukon party in seats and, and lost the vote. So you kind of think that they were already heading in a bad direction. And I think Yukon is actually a seat where the Conservatives could win. So yeah. uh, I, there is a teeny little bit of a relationship. I remember looking at it a little bit before between the territorial revol uh, results and the federal ones. So if the Liberals are doing badly, I think that is probably going to be hard for the Yukon Liberals. But Newfoundland and Labrador I find is interesting because when Dwight Ball won in 2015, it was just a few months, I think it was just a month or two after Trudeau won in 2015. That's right. And then in 2019, again, the Liberals won a minority government and then the, the federal Liberals. And then Fury went for an early election during the pandemic. That worked out for him, sort of. He sort got of. a majority, but the election went badly. And uh, and the Liberals uh, did not have the same success federally. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I, think that, I think that probably the Newfoundland Liberals are going to be impacted, I think, by the unpopularity of the federal liberals. Because we're seeing it in the polls that provincially the, the PCs aren't as popular as the conservatives, but it, it, is a, it seems to be a closer race. Yeah, yeah you're right. I don't, I don't dispute that. The, the numbers bear it out. But it's also the liberals have been in power for eight years. I mean, there's, there's also a slick, cyclical thing. The, mm -hmm. the PCs in, uh, in Newfoundland are not an oddity. They, they win on a regular basis, right? So mm -hmm. um, I would... Is it a correlation, a causation? I'm not sure, but uh, it, I, I think it's something that we'll have to watch. The 2021 election for the Liberals and the, the, the Newfoundland Liberals, uh, they won, but it did not go well. <laughs> uh, they, I remember I, I covered, I did, there were not many polls, but uh, early before the campaign, it was supposed to be a huge win for the Fury Liberals, and it, it ended up like quite close, right? So, um, well, at least in the seats. Um, this a snap election. I don't think governments should call snap elections at all. Yeah, 
Like, unless there's a, something major, like really big, an issue that you say, I can't govern without the support of the people. Snap elections are dumb. We have <laughs> we have uh, fixed election dates for a reason. I think there's a, they're a great idea. Except for Nova Scotia. Except for Nova Scotia. How can you have a law that says we'll have fixed election in July every four years? Yeah. This yeah. is so dumb. So, except Nova Scotia. I like Nova Scotians, but this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like, they have fixed election in, in July. Sorry, little rant. I'm closing the bracket here. Okay. Um, so, we got two other questions wanted to do. Uh, do you want to choose one? Yeah, uh, Sacha Fortin. Merci pour la question. How likely do you think it is for the People's Party to win a seat, even with a strong CPC showing? I ask because the Palace data polls subsample for the prairies were around 15%, and Nanos also had something strong for the prairies. So this is Manitoba and Saskatchewan combined. Uh, do you think this could translate to some hardline CPC voters potentially switching their votes? Uh, hmm, I. What do you think, Eric? I. Uh, I think that the chances that the PPC wins a seat in the next, elec- next election are pretty much zero. Hmm. Pretty much zero is not zero. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, though, the uh, what was the by-election in uh, Manitoba? Was it portage Lisger? Uh, yeah. This was a, supposed to be the seat for the PPC. The leader ran there, and he did not break 20%. Uh, mm-hmm. I think... There are PPC supporters. They fundraised like a million dollars in, 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 in your numbers that you published, right? Uh, they have support, but this electoral system that we have, they have to win seats. They have to win uh, voters in a concentrated area. And I don't think they can do it. Um, I think conservative voters who look at Pierre Poilievre right now and say, we have a chance to win government. We have the chance to win big are not going to say, oh, maybe I'll throw my vote to a smaller party. I, 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 when you have a chance to win, you go for it usually. But we could be wrong. But I, and I don't see Maxime Bernier as you know. I, I, he's not going to be in the debates. No. <laughs> again, um, and uh, he lost both badly last time. So I, I don't think so. So the PPC's best writings are in places where the conservatives have a huge amount of support. Yeah. The only reason I say it's not zero is because you could have a situation like we had in, in uh, the Quebec election where a candidate has to drop out for some reason or another, and then suddenly <laughs> the PPC is the only option for conservative voters. That is, the, I think, their only chance of winning a seat. Uh, and, we'll close yeah. with this last yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Unless ahead. you have more. Should no, you no, want to spend ahead. more time on the PPC? No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, Justin Kim uh, from Patreon uh, said, given that the Provincial Kitchener Center NDP Riding Association has called mm. for Merritt Stiles to resign, what do you think this means for their chances of holding the seat in the upcoming by-election? Could the Ontario Greens match their federal counterpart and take the riding? Uh, so there was a by-election called in Kitchener Center just, uh, I think it was yesterday. Uh, so the, it's going to be on November 30th. This was the seat that the NDP held. And as uh, Justin suggests, the riding association there uh, called for Mayor Stiles' resignation over her booting out of Sarah Jama, the uh, Hamilton Center MPP from the NDP caucus. I saw on Twitter that Robert Benzie of the Toronto Star uh, said that PC insiders or PC people were telling him that uh, I think the words he used was they were conceding that the liberals would win this, which I thought was a very surprising comment. Really? (laughs) One, because, first of all, the PCs should concede that they're not going to win this seat in general. This is a downtown Kitchener riding. They're not going to win that. They didn't win it before. They're not doing better in the polls than they did last time. 
Uh, but the Liberals, I don't know why the Liberals would win this. I'm you looking have a at thought? The, well, I, I have a thought. I'm looking at the history of the, this writing, uh, provincially, of course. Uh, the Liberals won in 14 under with, with, with Miss Wynne. 40% mm-hmm. of the vote against 27 for the NDP. Then the NDP took it, 43%, then 41%. The Liberals, the Liberals had, didn't, didn't break the 15% mark in the last election. And the last election was June last year. <laughs> so it's not that far away. And I look at the Conservative number, 25, 28, 27. So, yeah, the Conservatives conceding that they're not going to win, but they still have a quarter of the vote. Um, unless they decide to stay home or switch their votes. I don't know. The Greens had 13%. So could they match the federal counterpart? Here's the thing, though. Let's remember that why Mike Maurice won. There was no mm-hmm. liberal candidate. Uh, so I, I don't want to take anything away from Mr. Morris. He won it fair and square. But he did not have a liberal candidate against him. Uh, so the Greens would have to go from 13% and beat the NDP that had 41% just a year and a half ago. It seems like a big step. It's it's possible, and I think I, I will probably get some local polls. I know Main Street will usually does those by elections, especially in Ontario. Uh, but it seems like a big step for the Greens to take. Yeah, it does. But you know, maybe they'll. I, I think they'll do probably a lot better. They've been putting a lot of resources into that. They do have the federal MP. It's true that yeah. the voters might have done it for different reasons, but I think that probably gives the Greens a lot more credibility. And the fact that the NDP seems to be eating itself alive over this, uh, I can't see how that does anything but hurt, right? So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if if you have three parties all clustered around, yeah, 30%. And, you know, flip a coin who ends up winning this. But I don't see why the Liberals would win this. I don't are we are we going to do a live stream for this one? Oh, I don't know. I should, not have asked if, I should have asked no. you this before, huh? Yeah. <laughs> It the last be- one we did it didn't get a huge amount of people. I think Ontario provincial by-elections might be kind of low on the uh, priority list. Well, I think Ontario elections are really low on the list of priorities of Ontarians. Sorry. I'm still bitter about that. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. You mention it every time. <laughs> 43% turnout. Come on, people. I have a you quiz have- for you, my Yes, friend. you have a quiz for me. I have so last week, last episode, um, I had a quiz for Philippe. Yep, and he managed to win it, so that was great for him. So now it's I'm going to try to match his record. All right, what do you got? Uh, so the Quebec poll that you, uh, the Quebec quiz that you had for me last week, I have to say, I there were some lucky breaks in there. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> the you got to get the, the right seas. bounces. That's that's how you win. <laughs> that's right. Okay, so this is a bit different. All right, so here's how it's going to work. Uh, I'm going to do my thing where I called for the music. There you go. So I'm going to give, it's a game of MPs in the 2021 election. So here's how it's going to work. I'm going to give you three MPs and their writings. And you have to pick among the three who had the highest share of the vote. Okay. Mm. But I care. it's not that simple because if you don't get it right, it's okay. I'm adding the, the, the totals. There are 10 rounds. It's going to go fast. There are 10 rounds. And at the end of those 10 rounds, the point you have to reach 500 points. So an average of 50% of the popular vote for, uh, for each one. Um, in every round, there's at least one MP that got at least 50% of the vote. And it's going to add it up. I'm going to tell you, though, I added up with the rounded numbers. So okay. the, closest, the closest integer. And I have an Excel spreadsheet all ready for you. So you don't, wow. have to, you don't have to do the math. 
right? Okay, I'm going to rely on you because I don't quite understand, but whatever. I'll choose whatever. You don't? I'll choose whatever I think is correct. Okay, so basically, uh, let's do the first round and we'll see how it goes. So, okay. You have three choice of those three. So, the liberal Ivan Jones in Labrador, or the blockist Sébastien Lemire in Abitibi Témiscamingue, or the conservative Richard Lehoux in Beauce. Which of these three do you think had the highest share of the vote in their writing? I'm going to guess that it was Yvonne Jones in Labrador. I think the other two were probably in the 40s. So I'm punching your choice of Yvonne Jones. Yvonne Jones had the smallest share of the vote oh, of those no. three. Oh, boy, it was that's 40, bad. So it was 43%. You have to get at least 50 each round to get the 500 points. You got 43 on this one. Okay. Okay. Round number two. Oh, who, who, was the, who, who had the most on that one? You didn't say. It was Sébastien Lemire. He had 51% of the vote. Okay. The right? right. And uh, Richard Lou had 48%. Okay. Okay. Round number two. Marie-Claude Bibot, the liberal in Compton-Stansted in the Eastern Townships. Luc Thériault, the blockist in Montcalm. Or Alexandre Boulris, the dipper in mm. Rosemont, La Petite Patrie. Who among oh, these three tough. had the highest share of the vote? I think it is going to be... It's To me, it's either between Boulris or Thériault. I know that Montcalm is one of the safest kind of blockist writings in the, in all of Quebec. <laughs> the so blockest. I'm going to say it blockest. was... <laughs> it's the most... Yeah, it's the blockest. It's the blockest <laughs> writing. I'm going to say it's Luc Thériault in Montcalm. And you would be correct. Luc Thériault had 53%, so I'm going to punch your number. So you are at 96 points, and your expected number is 100 after two. So you're just below okay. the mark, all right? Got it. Round number three. We're, uh, like, going halfway Ontario and Quebec now. Justin Trudeau, you may have heard of him, the liberal, mm. in Papineau. Or Ryan Williams, the conservative, in Bay of Quinty. Is that how you say it? Bay of Quinty. Bay of Quinty. Yeah, Bay of Quinty. Bay of Quinty. Okay. I think And Quinty. then Karina yeah. uh, Gould, the liberal in Burlington, who had the highest share of the vote among those three. I think this is a trick question because I think it should be. Yeah, I think you're. I think out of them, I think it is Justin Trudeau, even though it feels like that's a trick. So I'm going to say it's Justin Trudeau and Papineau. And it is Justin Trudeau. He okay. had 50.3 percent of the vote in Papineau. So you're at 146, just below the 150 line. Round number four. Alex Ruff, the conservative in Bruce Gray, Owen Sam. Eric Melillo, the conservative in Kenora. Or Judy Zgro, the liberal in Humber River, Black Creek. These are really tough because these are all... We don't pay attention to these writings, right? Uh, and these are all winners. Little, these are all people yeah. that won. I mean, I considered taking some candidates that lost, but I figured, oh, no, no, let's, let's yeah. just no, stick to be the too winners. easy. But Melillo, I remember winning in Kenora, was, was a, a, a bit of a surprise when he first took that seat. But I think it's going to be Judy Scrow. I think the liberals do so well in those areas that I'm guessing it's her that got that, that score in that Toronto riding. Is that what your uh, final Scrow, answer? yes, Judy Scrow. Yes. And that is the correct answer. She had 51% of the vote wow. in that writing. The, others, the other two did not break 50%. So you are at 207, above the 200 mark. Round number five. Okay. Round number five. Valerie Bradford, the liberal in Kitchener-South Hespeler. 
Michelina Hajek in The Liberal in Markham Stouffville, which I called Stouffville for the longest time, <laughs> or Tony Baldilani, <laughs> the conservative in Niagara Falls. Okay, uh, I'm pretty sure it's not uh, Kitchener or South Hesper because that was one of those really close ridings, and I think that was one of the ones where if the PPC hadn't been there, the Liberals, uh, the Conservatives could have won it. So mm -hmm. I, that tells me that she didn't get over 50. Uh, for the other two, uh, it was Niagara Falls, and what was the... And uh, Elena Hajek and Markham Stouffville. Uh, Markham Stouffville. Uh, I, think, I think it's going to be Niagara Falls. Tony Baldinelli in Niagara Falls had 38% oh, of the wow. vote. It's, uh, it was a kind of a trick one because Valerie Bradford, you're right, also had 38%. Madame Hajek got 51%. Wow, okay. So that was your, bad on your total right now is 245. Your expected is 250. Round number six. Melissa Lansman, the conservative in Thornhill. Patty Haydu, the liberal in Thunder Bay Superior North. Or Carolyn Bennett, the liberal in Toronto St. Paul's. Oh, boy. I, I think it's got to be... I, I think we underestimate, uh, in general, just how well the liberals do in Toronto. So I'm going to say it was Carolyn Bennett in Toronto St. Paul's. This is the middle one, but it's still a pretty good answer. Melissa Lansman had 51% of the vote, and hmm. Carolyn Bennett had 49% of the vote. So you get the middle one. Uh, which is okay. It's not bad. okay. So okay. you're at 294, and the expected right. line is 300. So you're just under. Okay. We are going out west, my friend. Nikki Ashton, the NDP from Churchill, Kiwatinook Aski. Dan Vandal, the Liberal in Saint Boniface, Saint Vital. Or Dan Mazier, the Conservative. In Dauphin, Swan River, Nipawa. Mm, okay. Jeez. Uh, uh, I. To me, it's between Ashton and uh, uh, Dauphin, uh, Swan River. I'm gonna say the conservative. I gotta. It's the safe vote. Rule riding. Dan Mazier in Dauphin, Swan River, Nipawa. Yes. That would be the highest of the three. Fifty-nine percent of the vote. Okay. So you're at 353, expected line at 350. You're doing I'm okay. Catching up, catching up. Right. Okay. Round number three rounds to go. Round number eight. We're going into Saskatchewan. Jeremy Patzer, the conservative, well, they're all conservatives, in Cypress Hill Grassland. Warren Steinley, the conservative in Regina Luvan. Sorry to pronounce that. Sorry yeah. about that. Or Robert Kitchen, the conservative in Surrey, Moose Mountain. I'm pretty sure. Okay, well, I know it's not going to be Regina because uh, Cypress Hills Grasslands and uh, Surus uh, Moose Mountain. I think is it Surus? Is it? I think yeah, it's Surus. Oh, really? Okay. I don't know. Right. It's Surus in some places. It's Surrey in others. There's like <laughs> there's one in PI in, in Manitoba and Saskatchewan. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure Cypress Hills Grassland is is the strongest one. Oh God, it could be the other one. Cypress Hills. All right, Jimmy Pastor in Cypress Hill Grassland. It's the second one, but oh. it's still 72% of the vote. I gave okay. you a This free was my vote. chance to catch up. Yeah. yeah, and you did catch up. You're at 425, and the expected is 400. I think you're looking good here. Unless The top one was Soros Moose Mountain, right? Yes, it was. 76% oh, okay. of the vote. Okay, we're going to Alberta. I think you're going to win this. I I'm think so, too. Okay, round nine Alberta. 
Michelle Rempel Garner, the conservative in Calgary Nose Hill. Blake Desjardins, the NDP in Edmonton Griesbach. Griesbach? Griesbach. He's Griesbach. Griesbach. Uh, anyway, yeah. you know. Or John Barlow, the conservative in Foothills. Oh, that's easy. Foothills. <laughs> It is Foothills. Come on. <laughs> 69% of the vote. And you're at Only four... 69? Jeez. Only 69. Is a... Yeah, you didn't, didn't, didn't work really well. For... Uh, so you're at 494 right now. So I think you're going to win. Because... I'm going to oh. do it. Okay. Yeah, no, you're I want to clear the bar. I want to be a lot of space between me and that, and that poll. Uh, <laughs> I want to do it. Come on. Last round. We're, go- we're going into BC for this one. Jack Mead Singh, NDP in Burnaby South. Jenny Kwan, the NDP in Vancouver East. Or Brad Viss, the conservative in Mission, Matsqui, Fraser Canyon. Okay, it's definitely not Singh, because I think he got like 38 or 42 or something like that. Uh, I think Vancouver East is pretty much one of the safest NDP ridings, but Mission, Matsqui, I'm going to say it is Vancouver East and Jenny Kwan. And you are correct. 56% yes. of the vote and your total is 550. You had to clear the 500 point mark. So you win the quiz. Let's get some applause here. Just for Thank fun, you. though. Just Thank for you. fun. I had a random generator work that well just to make sure it was feasible. So basically, it just picked randomly one, two, three for each round. And okay. the, the random generator won 38% of the time. So it was not that hard. But you could not miss that. I mean, the the uh, the the, um, the Saskatchewan one. I mean, there were it was seventy six, seventy two, and forty seven. So it's, it was a generous one. But you did very well. You got the highest in the uh, six of ten. You had the highest. So okay. Well, that's it, a pass. At that's least. a pretty okay. good. Yeah. Congratulations, Eric. You win. The, you win the quiz this week. So thank you. Okay. Well. Uh... After we make, uh, we'll work on getting the quizzes to be harder in the future. We'll get to our <laughs> number of the week. Uh, here, I'll go first, if you don't mind. My number is going back to what we discussed at the beginning. It's 13.5 million. Uh, so it's the big number that we're do- I'm, I'm going for this week. That's the gap in fundraising between the conservatives and the liberals so far in 2023. That is the biggest gap over the first nine months of any year since records kind of begin in 2005. The previous record was 11.2 million in 2008, and that was obviously a bad election for the Liberals. Uh, so it's now 13.5 million, and that is a huge amount of money that you can blow on whatever the hell you want if you're a political party. So uh, that's my number of the week. Very good. My number of the week, 75. This is the percentage of liberal voters who are satisfied with the liberal government. And if you think it's high, it used to be much, much higher. It used to be in the high 80s and sometimes the low 90s. So that tells me that one quarter of current liberal voters, current liberal voters, according to Leger, in the latest Leger poll, are not happy with the direction of the government. And when you look at the others, uh, NDP, it's two to one dissatisfied. Uh, Bloc is three to one dissatisfied. And even the Greens, it's a small number, but it's two to one dissatisfied. Uh, so the Liberals are in the corner right now. Uh, and uh, yeah, 23 months to go to this government. Un- unless, unless. So. 
Unless, yeah, we'll see. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> if you don't want to miss next week's episode of The Numbers, you can head to our Patreon page at thenumberspod.ca. If you become a member, you'll get access to The Numbers every week on Thursdays, including exclusive episodes every two weeks. And you get to participate in our Discord, where we are chatting about politics and soliciting questions for the weekly mailbag. And if you're already a member of our Patreon, and that number keeps on ticking up, and we appreciate it, uh, thank you very much. Uh, Philip, hope you have a great weekend. My cat is making some noises maybe she's yawning or is she no, okay she? so she's yeah. dreaming she's dreaming yeah. oh, she's dreaming uh, about our next episode next uh, week and i'm going to be looking forward to it too Thanks because it so will be for, for it will be for members only so if you want yeah. to have the episode please register and support eric and i in this work we love doing this and also eric and i love reading and interacting with our members on the discord the discord has turned into a really fun place where yeah. people argue about politics and everybody so far has been quite nice uh, they play nice and uh, yeah it's a fun place to go so please register become a member so you can have access to that merci beaucoup Eric alright see you next week Philippe